Welcome back to Podcast Recovery, everyone. We're your hosts, David O. And Eric V. And Allie B. You know, you really shouldn't say and Eric V because you got Allie B right right on the tail end of you. Yeah, the, you sec- the second time. David o, second Eric time. B. Second time, David. Okay. Second time. Don't, you know, okay. where it's, it's kind of like your intro for like, you know, the meeting after the meeting and thanks for sharing. It's going to take a little bit of time. Right, you know, it's it's you it's know, yeah, it's progress, not perfection. Buddy. Progress, not perfection. I mean, if we've learned anything about recovery, right? Shut up. <laughs> All right, today today we're joined by our very special guest, Amy Beth. How are you doing, Amy? I'm doing pretty well. If you would have asked me five hours ago, I probably would have been crying, but I'm doing well right now. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, so, wh- where are you from, Amy Beth? Um, originally, I am from Pickerel, Wisconsin. It's in the middle of nowhere. That sounds like it's the middle yeah. of nowhere. I like the name, though. <laughs> yeah, Pickerel, Wisconsin. Love it. Uh, so when were you first introduced to recovery? Um, well, that's kind, of a, that's kind of a hard question because I grew up with my dad being an alcoholic. So, okay. yeah, I mean, from early ages, in regards to, like, my family and knowing about recovery and alcoholism. Mm-hmm. As far as myself, I never really considered it until um, New Year's. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So how, how long how long have you been clean? I have been clean. It was three months on the fifth. Awesome! That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right. Absolutely. And with all that out of the way, we're going to turn it over to you to share your story with us. So take it away. Atlanta. Where do I even start? Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, my dad was an alcoholic growing up. So um, I remember sitting on my on my porch, middle of winter, or, you know, in the summer, waiting for my dad to show up. Um, and I had my bags right. packed, and I was the only one that went uh, to see my dad. So um, and I have two other siblings. Well, actually three, but one of them doesn't live with me. And I remember watching my dad in the bar. My mom actually had to get like a, an, not a restraining order, but an order to keep me out of the bar because he lived on top of the bars. And then um, I remember my dad telling me that he wanted to kill himself. And I got freaked out. I was like 10 years old and I called my mom and my mom called my uncle. And um, so I guess it's been an ongoing thing since I was little. My mom put me on medication when I was five for ADHD, which mm. saying that out loud sounds, you know, like you're five. What kind of problems do you yeah. have? Or, you know, a little, a little squirrely, scatterbrained. You're five. You're allowed to be that way. But uh, when yeah. I was in ninth grade, I um, wanted to commit suicide. So I grew up in a very traumatic environment. My mom was never around, but my stepdad kind of verbally and mentally, emotionally abused me. So he would call me things mm. like... Um, he told me that I was retarded um, and that I was embarrassing. So I, I had like this really weird complex growing up. So when I was in ninth grade, I wanted to overdose on medication, over-the-counter medication. Um, cool. And I told my friend and my mom found out. So my mom came running downstairs and I was in the psych ward within like two or three days. <laughs> I almost got expelled from, from um, high school. I had to go in front of the entire school board, and what was what was happening was instead of taking my medication, I was giving it away. I've always had this mm-hmm. control aspect with myself. If I take if I take this, I'm gonna I'm gonna spiral out of control. 
So yeah. even from a, a young age, I've been trying to control like my substance use. But going into high school, I mean, I was smoking weed, I was smoking cigarettes, I was doing Vicodin, mm-hmm. crushing up and snorting it. Because who likes to do that? That stuff hurts. Yeah, you know, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then. You know, I, I, I wanted to be the cool kid, so I would drink vodka straight out of the bottle. That was my thing. It was either vodka straight Ooh. or, yeah, I don't nasty, right? Or sangria. <laughs> um, That's such a juxtaposition. It's like, oh, vodka or sangria. <laughs> like, those are two completely different drinks. Yeah. Um, it kind of fits my dual personality, right? Like, my alcoholic self and then also like the person that wants to be normal like oh i'm gonna drink some wine instead mm-hmm. and then the alcohol person in me is like yeah vodka <laughs> <laughs> but so that was in high school um and so i kind of took myself off medication i was like fuck that i don't need medication to survive like y'all are crazy it's not me but um it kind of stopped for a little while. I moved from Wisconsin. I actually jumped on a Greyhound when I was 18, told two people, packed a backpack, had $40 to my name. I think I had a food stamp card and like a blanket. And actually, yeah. I think I brought my little chillum with me because I was like, well, I got to have that, right? So I moved to Portland. Yeah. Was just kind of hanging out there. And then I moved out to California where I started to work on a pot farm. <laughs> Um, and that's where I actually met my, my ex-husband, who's the father of my kids. Um, and then I was pregnant by the time I was 20. So during that time period, um, I really kind of just resorted to drinking wine, um, more so after my kids were born. I have two kids. Um, there's a lot of tra- you know, traumatic experience in that, but I don't really want to talk too much about my relationships, I guess. But Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so it it really didn't start up again until after I got divorced. When I got divorced, I felt like I didn't know who I was. I didn't have any sense of self. Like I've been a stay at home mom for X amount of time. I've been doing the housewife thing. I didn't have a career. I didn't, you know, I didn't have anything. I basically have the the foundation of like my childhood and like the ways I used to act in childhood. And as a teen, um, I know that during when I, I go to AA personally, um, Mm -hmm. I heard somebody say in there that you, when you get sober, you're, you're the age of when you started. And I'm like, well, shit, I'm like 12 years old. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm like, it makes sense to me now. But during that time I started working at a bar and, um, I would kind of wait until the weekend when I didn't have my kids because I still had my kids during the week at that time. And then I'd start going out and then it kind of progressively got worse to where I was drinking when my kids were at home. It wasn't necessarily hiding Mm. it, but it was to the point where I was like having so much anxiety and I was totally overwhelmed by my children. Um, And I would get really, really uh, not, not like aggressive, but just angry that I couldn't understand why I was, why I was so overwhelmed with my kids. I mean, they're kids. They're just, you know, bouncing off the walls because that's what they do. That's what I did. But essentially, I'm getting mad at them for the same reasons that I got mad or that my step my stepdad got mad at me when I was a kid. So I'm having all of these triggering things come out. And during that time, I was like, well, I'm just going to drink because I know that it settles me down and I'm not going to be angry with my kids for no reason. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, then I, and then I met my ex-boyfriend, <laughs> which is really when I started using um, and drinking. So... Um, I moved from my apartment that I was living in to Green Bay. So I moved from Anago to Green Bay 
to live with my boyfriend. I couldn't have my kids there. So I gave up time with my kids, you know, the, the custody, not the custody, but the placement I had with my kids to go be with somebody else. So I was putting a relationship before my kids. I was putting drinking before my kids. I was putting doing cocaine mm-hmm. before my kids. Mm. Um, this is actually what I was crying about today. <laughs> All the wonderful emotions of sobriety start to come out, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I feel a lot of a lot of guilt and a lot of shame for the mass amount of time that I feel like I've wasted not seeing my kids. I mean, last year I was in the bar. I was a bar, I was kind of a bar fly. Um, mm-hmm. Five, six, sometimes seven nights a week, um, and we would we had a garage that we kind of hung out and partied in. And I was just I was usually the only female surrounded by a bunch of guys. I feel like that's kind of typical for somebody. I don't know, for a woman maybe that goes to the bar. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the part, I guess, that I feel so much shame for is that it wasn't my kids that got me sober. And I, mm-hmm. I, I remember going out one time last year, and um, I went, it was supposed to be a girls' night. So I was like, I have to pick up my kids tomorrow, but it's okay because I don't have to pick them up until 6 p.m., Right? Not a big deal. Like, holy crap, that's so far away. I can do whatever I want. Um, I went out. I got hammered. And uh, we did pick up cocaine. And um, I didn't go to bed until, like, 11 in the morning. I, yeah. I didn't plug my phone in. Didn't even think about, you know, the the consequences of like I I it was just you know such in a state of mind where I'm not thinking you know about anything I slept yeah. till five fifty and my kids live in Stevens Point so it's about an hour and a half drive from Green Bay to Stevens Point so I woke up at the time that I was supposed to pick up my kids yeah. um and so I had to make the dreaded phone call to my kid's dad like hey. I overslept or, you know, I probably lied. I probably didn't tell him I was sleeping or I did. And I made up an excuse as to why. Um, but that, that didn't, you know, that wasn't enough to stop me. So (laughs) I, I, uh, which is really hard to say out loud. Like you think people, you know, I hear a lot of things like if, if they love their kids, they would stop it. They could just this, they would just stop, but it's not that easy. It doesn't work that way. You know, bottoms are different, but, um, I, I got to the point where when I, when I was drinking and using five, six, seven nights a week, depending on, you know, if I had my kids or not, that I would start going out. Like we were hanging out in the garage or the bar or wherever it was. I would start excusing myself to use the restroom to force myself to vomit because I was afraid of actually how much I was ingesting. But it wasn't just one time. I would do it one, two, three, four, five, sometimes up to ten times in a night, depending on how much I was, like, taking in and drinking. Um, And, oh, yeah. I mean, talk about being scared. Like, I I was afraid to go to bed in the morning for whatever time that was, whether it was seven seven in the morning or 11 in the morning. Like, just sitting in bed, shaking, totally miserable, wondering if this is going to be the time that I overdose on on the things that I have been ingesting. And there's nothing more terrifying than laying there awake knowing that you did it to yourself, but you just don't know how to stop. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the point where I got. But that's that didn't make me stop either. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. on um, 
it was New Year's. I thought to myself, this is the last time that I'm doing this. I am not going out anymore. I, I'm not going to spend all year getting high and drinking in the bar and, you know, all the things that I've been doing. And I had gotten actually really close to the point of doing, like, foilies with people, which is it sounds silly when I say it out loud, but when you're using and you're drinking and it's five in the morning, it, you don't you don't have an off switch. And you're like, yeah, sure, that sounds great, even though you know it's not good for you. Oh yeah. Anyway, um, so I was getting really close to to like going into deeper deeper addiction with things that are, you know, the scale, the ladder of things. <laughs> um, but on New Year's, that was that was supposed to be my my last night out. So I actually went through a really bad breakup with my ex because we drank and used together. So when we went out, we were, you know, I like to call it cocaine fights because that's what it is. You get so angry and. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just fighting. And I remember like him just like, oh my gosh, it'd be like three in the morning. I don't even know what he's mad about. And I'm like, we are doing exactly what you want to do. Like, what's the deal here, bud? And he would go out, he'd be like half half dressed run out into the yard and start punching the ground for no reason and it's like what's going on like I just you know no control whatsoever so we went through kind of a, a breakup and he didn't understand my my responsibilities as a parent too so there was like this you know back and forth thing that just never stopped it was like being in a rat a rat race just total insanity um but I broke up I left I moved out and I didn't drink for 35 days. I didn't, I didn't use for 35 days. Nice. And I was still working at the bar. <laughs> so I thought to myself, I'm like, you want to know what? I have been so good. I deserve this. I was like a, a reward to myself. If I, you know, I feel like I gave myself throughout that year, year and a half, like, I'm going to go 30 days. If I can go 30 days, then, like, I don't have a problem. <laughs> hmm. You know, the, con the control aspect. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I went out. I told myself, I'm going to go stop in the bar and see who's in there and say hi to my regulars. And I was there two and a half hours and I was obliterated. So I didn't, I didn't just drink beer. If I wanted to drink beer, it was just to kind of start out. So the way I drank was to do it, like, heavily and fast. Um, so I made this little concoction that had three or four different liquors in it. But it was the PBR coffee with Bailey's um, and like a couple, like an espresso shot. And I would load up my drinks. And that's how I drank. So it kind of looks like I'm not drinking as much as I am. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was, I was totally wasted by 10, 10, 1030. And some of my really good bar friends came in. And they're like, hey, Amy, you want to come with us? And I was like, sure, dude. He was like, I have cocaine. And I was like, awesome. <laughs> um, I'm out of here. And a couple of my friends at the bar were like, hey, are you sure you don't want to just go home? I'm like, why would I want to do that? They were like, I can bring you home, you know, because I only live like two or three minutes from where I worked. Um and yeah, that didn't happen. I, I honestly have no idea what we did when we left there. Probably went to a couple different other bars and continued doing what we were doing with drinking and using. But I was at an after bar, and um, not not a surprise there. That's pretty typical of me. <clears throat> and it was probably about five in the morning, and I was drinking Seagram Seven and Kool Aid. Ew. And I looked down. 
was there was none left. And I don't drink I don't drink whiskey or you know I don't really drink that kind of drink. So yeah. I looked down and I was like, what the hell am I drinking? I don't even know what I'm drinking. And also I like looked at the person next to me. I was like, is there more? Do we are we out of alcohol right now? <laughs> How are we out? And also, like, where do we get more? <laughs> um, and after that, we kind of went from do, drinking a whole lot to just doing cocaine because that's what was left, right? Yeah. Well, about seven seven thirty in the morning, some random girl showed up at the house and started pounding on the door, and I was like, "Oh God, what the hell is going on?" Well, this girl comes in, smacks somebody with a coffee pot, and then punches me twice in the face. Whoa! Yeah, I wasn't and then that. I still thought I was gonna. Make it. Huh? I wasn't expecting that. That's yeah. crazy. No. That sounds like some. That sounds like some Ali B type shit. It was crazy. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Say I'm wrong, Ali. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Uh. She punched me once, and I was like, oh, my God. And then she came in again and punched me again. I don't know if it was open-handed, closed-handed. I don't know if she hit me with something because I was so messed up. I don't, you know, I don't remember. But I do remember getting punched in the face. Um, This girl thought I was cheating on cheating with her boyfriend or, you know, whatever. And I was like, she was like, how many times have you been here? Have you seen this bra before? And I was like, yo, I've never been here before in my whole life. (laughs) Like, I've never been to this house before. So it was like a... And I'm going thing. I actually talked to her on the phone after she left because she was calling me on Facebook like 20 times. So I actually talked to her and she was like, you need to leave the house now. And I was like, holy crap, like no problem. I'm out of here. So I got an Uber. And while I'm in the car, she's still on the phone with me. And she was like, why does the Uber driver have on the GPS sound? And I was like, I don't know. Would you like me to ask him? And she was like, yep. So I looked at my Uber driver and I was like, so this is really weird, but my friend would like to know why you have your sound on your GPS. It was probably, (laughs) yeah, it was probably the most awkward, awkward Uber ride that I've ever had. Why I was talking to some random girl that had just hit me in the face on the phone. I have no idea. Um, yeah, it seemed like a good idea at the time. It really yeah. did, and it was not. It was like thinking back, like that was really dumb on my on my behalf. But you have um, like real connection with like people in those like certain situations for some reason, you know, like I, you know, I just was like, holy crap, this girl, like I messed up and I have issues, but I was like, this girl is so. Dad, like I just wanted to help her in that situation I don't really know why but um yeah so when I got to my car and I put all that stuff aside I was I was shaking like I'd been up all night I haven't slept yet I was supposed to work that day yet at the bar again I haven't slept yet so by the time I was at my car it was probably eight or nine I sat in my car for another hour an hour and a half trying to figure out what the hell just happened and um, she was posting on social media that I was a whore and I was sleeping with her boyfriend and all this stuff. And I run a business and, like, I do lots of stuff online. So I was already freaking out. I'm like, I can't have this all over social media. Um, but uh, I, I had to merge my two lives. So I was a, a, a closet partier. So the people that know me in that life 
stay in that life, right? And then in my business life with my business partner, because I, I moved out of my ex's house and I started living with my business partner, which she did not know the extent of what I was doing and when I was doing it or where I was at when I was doing these things. Um, so when I got there, I was shaking and crying and she was like, what the hell is going on? And I was like, well, and I still didn't really tell her. <laughs> I, I, I didn't fully, you know, tell her what was going on. There was so much shame. Yeah. That when you have to merge your two lives and tell like one of the most important people in my life, she's not my, just my business partner, but she's my best friend. She's like my homegirl. Oh, my computer just decided to shut off for a second. Um, that was really hard. That was, there was a lot of shame in that, but she was like, I love you. And also you need to take a shower cause you fucking reek. <laughs> I was like, yeah, imagine. So I got probably an hour of sleep and then I went to work at the bar and I didn't do anything. And I sat there and I, the longer I sat there and the regulars came in, they were like, there's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's not a big deal. I just went out last night and I made it a big joke. And, um, you know, their solution was to drink a Bloody Mary. And I was like, there's absolutely no way in hell that I could drink right now. I was still shaken up. I was still shameful, but I was trying not to like show how, how much shame that I felt. And I had people coming in that had seen all this stuff on social media, asking me what the hell is going on and like what really happened and all this stuff. I was like, I can't, like, I can't possibly do this anymore. I can't possibly mm -hmm. do this anymore. So the next day, my manager was actually asked to talk to me and I was like, that's great because I actually really need to talk to you too. <laughs> um, I was like, I can't do this anymore. My life is a complete train wreck. I was like, I can't keep myself together. I can't even go out anymore without causing chaos and having it follow me. I'm like the last place I need to be at is working in a bar. Right. Um, and that was the last night that I went out. So when I say that I have shame that, it wasn't my kids that stopped me because they're four and six years old. It's mm. the fact that I got hit in the face by somebody that I don't even know. Mm. That feels shameful to me. Um, mm. When I talk about making amends, yeah. I haven't started my steps and stuff yet in the program. I have a sponsor, but we're, we're doing it big book style. Um, mm -hmm. People are talking about their fifth step and, you know, all of these things. And I'm like, I can't even think of anybody that I need to make amends more to than to my children. They, yeah. you know, just to get really personal with you guys, like I, I'm staying right now with uh, my boyfriend who is also sober. Um, and I don't have them here for the sake of not, you know, trying to introduce too many things at one time because I've caused so much change in the last year and a half. I've uprooted them. And I've moved to so many different places that I can't continue to do that. But it gets, it's gotten to the point where they cry when I leave, when I leave their dad's house because I go visit them in Stevens Point for a couple hours at a time. They want to come home with me. And I have to tell them no. They sit and cry at their dad's house when they can't come see me. They want to know where they're going where they're going to be at. They want to know what I'm doing. When I'm on the phone with them, they ask me what I'm doing and where I'm at and um, when they're going to come see me. And it's probably one of the most heartbreaking things during the, you know, during the day of like, all I want is to see them. But when I'm with them, I'm full of anxiety and fear that I'm never going to be doing the right thing for them as their mom. And um, that's really hard. Yeah. It's, 
it's hard to accept the fact that I've caused so much chaos in my own life and made bad decisions and all these mistakes and I have to rectify them. So how do you do that with a four-year-old and a six-year-old who don't understand? You can't sit down and say, hey, mommy, it's kind of messed up inside, so I'm just going to need you to hang tight, you know? Um, Yeah. So that's kind of something that I've been going through. I I, uh, talked to their dad this morning on the phone because I'm really excited. I'm I'm looking to moving to Stevens Point. I looked at an apartment there. It's probably about a three-minute drive from their dad's house, which is super exciting, but it's it's a lot of change. Um, Mm -hmm. And I said, I talked to him on the phone, and I was was bawling my eyes out because he was like, Amy, just because you're moving to Stevens Point doesn't mean I'm ready to sign paperwork for you to have the kids 50% of the time. He's like, I'm more than happy to that you see them and, you know, start doing that now, but I'm not going to officialize that yet until there's been, you know, progress made and there's stable, like you're stable for X amount of time. And I was like, why? I don't understand why, but Mm -hmm. you know, that's an accepting, accepting that I've caused so much change in the last, last year and a half that that's, that's on me. That's not on him. How can I be angry at him for the decisions that I've made? So yeah. I'm, I'm really thankful for my program that allows me to see in that and feel in that. But sometimes, you guys, I said this today during a meeting, in some ways sobriety gets easier and other ways it gets hard because all of those emotions start coming out. Yeah. And they are raw and they are real. And, you know, sometimes those thoughts that are go along with that are not nice. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm, I missed a lot of my story, but the main focus for me right now is is surrendering to myself and accepting the things that are, that, you know, make me who I am now, but that incorporates the past and yeah. all the things that I've done and I haven't done. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we definitely have some questions for you. Um, I, I, I kind of want to make a, a, like a statement first because I'm, I'm, I'm going to defer to Allie to start the questions because ladies first, but, uh, now what I wanted to say first is, uh, I know I can speak for myself and probably Allie and Eric as well and say like, we're really proud of you and, um, you're, you're in the right spot. You're doing the right things. And all three of us have been in early recovery and we know how raw and difficult things can be right in that first, like opening of the floodgates of emotions and like really a lot of the fog clearing and getting to see sort of like the, the wreckage we caused. But like what I'm, what I, I have to say is that like, it's, it's a marathon and it's not a sprint. And a lot of, a lot of these things take time. Um, and you're, you're doing the right things. It's just putting one foot in front of the other on a day-to-day basis. And, uh, it sounds like you're doing that and that's a fucking awesome thing. And we're proud of you. I appreciate that. It's, it's easy for Absolutely. me to talk about it, but yeah, I mean, when those emotions get rolling, they just, they just come out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fucking real life. Yeah. I, I get it. All right, Allie, well, you're up, you're up first with the question, so fire away. All right, thanks. Um, thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, like David said, you know, I commend you. You are doing 
the, you know, what you're supposed to do. And it, it's tough at first, but, you know, I always hear it gets greater later. And, uh, and I remember being new and being like, what the hell is that cliche is that? And it's, but it's true, you know, and uh, just to touch on like what you were saying about your kids, you know, how, um, how do you tell them? And, you know, a lot of times I've learned personally, like words um, are, you know, useless, but action is great. Um, so like with my family and like my, my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, my grandparents, like I wanted like so bad to be like, I have changed. I'm doing this. This is happening. You know, this is why I did this. And, uh, you know, like my sponsor at the time told me just let my actions speak for itself, you know? So, um, and like, I, you know, I had to learn, I had to take care of me first, um, before I could take care of anybody else. Um, but like you did talk about some things, um, you know, one of the things that, my attention is you said you were working this up big book style so um i am not familiar with that style um you know i go to the other fellowship so um if you could just like kind of maybe explain to me i'm, I'm intrigued by uh, uh how everybody works up because i know there's like a thousand different ways to work them so um well we i actually just asked her to be my sponsor like two weeks ago um but she is a she calls herself a big book thumper right <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> Yeah. Um, That's good. We, yeah, I don't know. We just, we, basically what we do is we meet once a week, even though last week I kind of had some personal stuff going on, so we didn't meet. And then today she was, her meeting ran late, so we didn't meet today either, so we're going to meet on Monday. But, so really I've only done this one time with her, but I've talked to her a lot outside of this. Um, but we sit down and we read the big book together over Zoom. And then um, we kind of talk about each paragraph as we go through, so it's kind of a long process. But um, she had me write down and go through the the, uh, the index page and write down <coughs> what the steps yeah. are for the chapters. And then um, she kind of explains explains it as we go, and I take notes. She, she doesn't really give me homework unless there's something that needs to be done with the steps in the book that I haven't even gotten to yet. So um, I kind of feel like when my emotions come out, I'm, I'm doing this. My emotions are starting to do this death before I even get to them. And I'm like, whoa, 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 can we, can we wait? Can we wait? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, she explained it to me as, as it goes through the chapters. Um, as, as far as the steps are laid out, if I had my book on me, I would say it, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Um, would you like to go next, Eric? Sure. So, I mean, at the time of this recording, we're in we're in early May, and you know, by the time it's released, it'll it'll be a little bit later. But um, given when you got sober this time around, uh, there's there's quite a you know extraordinary circumstances which are keeping a lot of us you know home, and I mean, I'm looking kind of at your at your sobriety date and when all this started. You know, how have you been able to, with kind of like the quarantine and all of that, how have you been able to like find meetings um, online? Like, how has that process worked for you? I mean, you found, I'm assuming you found your sponsor online, um, but, you know, like, what is it like being newly sober and not being able to have that connection of the rooms? Well, it kind of sucks, actually. <laughs> um, oh, it's, sure. It's been okay. Um, so when I first started going to meetings, because it, it probably took me, I think, two weeks before I realized that I need to 
go to AA. Mm-hmm. I kind of left mm-hmm. that part of my story, but um, I went when I went to AA the first time. I actually just called the Green Bay hotline number to figure out where the heck I'm supposed to go. Oh wow! Um, so it always I, amazes I, me I when that call- happens. I, when people call the hotline, it, it just amazes me. I know, Allie, you did the hotline, but it still amazes me. I was on the hotline. It yeah. amazes oh, me yeah, people so use the hotline. <laughs> it, it's, it, it, it works. Clearly, this is a clear example of why we have it and that it works, right? Yeah. Yep. Honestly, I can say that I don't know if I would have went to a meeting had I called and nobody picked up the phone. Mm. Strong endorsement. Uh, would I <laughs> would I be sober today? I don't know. May I have made it another thirty days and then been like, okay, I can drink again, probably. Um, but yeah, so I, I had a lot of time to connect with people. Well, a lot of time to connect with people. I say that with quote quotation marks, <laughs> sarcastically, I guess. Um, mm. But I was going to two or three meetings a day. Uh, prior to quarantine. So I had time to kind of like meet people. And um, now that quarantine has started, my my boyfriend actually was on one of the district meetings to start up Zoom calls. So I was on one of the first Zoom calls for Green Bay, and then it kind of just started into that. And now I actually chair meetings on Thursdays at 530. So we have our website set, or not, I say our, like I'm a part of the website making, I'm not. Um, <laughs> the website is set up to where all the meetings, it shows the times for the day. And then there's, there's always one or two every single day. And then there's just extra meetings like Thursdays, there's young person meetings, Tuesday and Thursday. It's not really for young people, but, um, young at heart, maybe, nice. but young, younger, younger people do show up to that meeting. So that's a little bit, you know, nice. Cause the 9am meetings, the 7am meetings is filled with your old timers, which is really fun, but sometimes it's just nice to connect with people your age. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because uh, I know yeah. when I went to AA the f- very first time, I sat in my car probably for about 15 minutes and I watched all these people go in and I'm like, I am not going to relate to any of these people. They're way too old. I'm going to be the youngest person here. I'm going to look like an idiot in there because I probably am not an alcoholic, but I'm an alcoholic because I'm sitting in my car and I'm terrified to go inside AA. So probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been hard in the aspect of uh, not being able to connect with people in person because that's where I've met a lot of these people and then I've grown to know them through the Zoom meetings because there's certain people that go to certain certain meetings. So you can kind of always count on seeing, seeing faces that you are familiar with. And I've actually, through this, I realized that I need to connect with more women. Um, one of my... Mm-hmm. One of my things is I have a really hard time making female friends. I'm yeah. of a hanging hang with the guys, which, you know, I realize isn't totally given that I'm an alcoholic and like to do drugs. So <laughs> I, uh, I created an online uh, private female so- sobriety group um, that has like 200 awesome. in it now. Yeah. So, I kind of created a space for myself and then in doing so I created a space for other women to kind of connect. Um, but there's, there's times that I, <laughs> I would love to go drink alcohol, but also, you know, I feel like quarantine gives me time to 
really feel in my emotions and just be kind of the crazy person that I am inside, outside as well, because without quarantine, I think that I would be hiding a lot more of my emotions and having around other people. And I, I don't necessarily know that that would be healthy or beneficial. So in, in a weird way, I'm grateful. Nice. That's awesome. All right. Um, I want to know, uh, what are you most grateful for and hopeful for in, uh, in recovery so far? That's a hard question. <laughs> yeah. What am I most grateful for? I don't know if this is selfish or not, but I am, uh, I'm grateful you, for, for myself and my, my willing mm-hmm. to try to be a better person. <laughs> I know yeah. not selfish, <laughs> not selfish no, at all. That's not selfish at all. But I, um, I'm just, I'm really grateful that I've given myself the opportunity to grow and to love myself because without mm-hmm. sobriety, I don't know that I would be able to do that. And I, I, I yeah. don't necessarily entirely to the full extent love myself because I'm really early on and I have a lot of things that are just coming out and I can't, I, today I actually said that I'm really angry that I'm angry at myself. I'm angry at myself, but I'm angry that I'm angry at myself. That's um, meta anger. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I'm also grateful because I, I get to feel and, you know, that's kind of, it sounds, it might sound silly to a normal person who doesn't have, you know, alcoholism or an addiction, but feeling is kind of like necessity of life. I get to feel things and I'm, I'm grateful I gave myself the opportunity, but it's not alone in that. I'm also grateful for AA. I feel very blessed to have somehow stumbled into that, whether a higher power, my spirituality or whatever it is that you believe in, like universe. Mm-hmm. Like I am blessed to have such an amazing community of people that will love me until I love myself. Is so one of the members says. Oh yeah. And what are, what are you hopeful for? Like looking forward, man, what am I hopeful for? I am hopeful to, hmm. For stability. <laughs> yeah. I think that's my number one thing is I'm, I'm, you know, hopefully creating a life and moving forward and being stable and creating a sacred home space. And I, I practice meditation, um, a lot. And so I also, I don't know if you guys know who Jack Cornfield is, but he's amazing. And I like to listen to him a lot. He talks about how your family is your practice. And mm-hmm. I'm just grateful and also hopeful in the future that I get the apartment and I'm able to continue practicing with my kids being my main practice and, you know, growing through, growing and feeling through my anxiety with them and, you know, hopefully stabilizing my emotions and just my life overall. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, Allie, what you got? Oh man, I don't know. I was just reflecting on what you said, and like that is the most beautiful thing I've heard in a long time. And man, it's so not selfish to want to be better and do better. If anything, that's completely selfless. Um, I'm so taken back by your guys' questions. I feel so intimidated. Um, I don't know, like what? Um, 
what reservations do you have, if any, you know, that you don't think you can handle or um, something that might happen or some situation that might occur that, you know, you just don't think that you're strong enough or have enough self-will or whatever you want to call it to get, to get through it. Over. That's a great question. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I mentioned that I was working at a, an apartment in Stevens Point. I, um, this is kind of a big deal for me. It doesn't sound like it, but I spent so much of my, of my uh, adult life taking care of children and then not having a career for myself, not having to provide us, you know, a house for myself. My ex-husband kind of paid for all the things. And then when I moved out, I was in low-income housing and then I was living with somebody. And, you know, I've never been on my own, like totally living in an apartment. That's mine. That's not low-income housing. That's, that doesn't have people around. Like, I don't really know anybody in Stevens Point. Green Bay is kind of my home. Like, I've grown roots here. I'm on a design committee, committee downtown. And, you know, I'm just, I'm a part of this community. So uprooting my whole life to Stevens Point for my children is terrifying because I feel like I'm taking myself out of a very comfortable environment and I'm throwing myself into kind of like a lion's den to thrive on my own. And that terrifies me because I'm, I'm, I'm obviously growing and change is a good thing, but I'm, I'm scared to do that stuff alone. Like I'm, 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 I'm terrified of failure. If there's something that I'm most afraid of, it's failing. Mm. And that's, that's always been something that's stuck with me. I, I actually don't like saying things if I don't know that they're true or not. And if I don't know if they're true or not, I usually preface it with like, I could totally be talking out of my ass here, but so failing and not knowing is something that I'm, I'm really afraid of because in that failure, I, I like to retreat into like a tiny little hole. And in that is when I don't want to feel anything. So, I mean, I'm mm. trying to putting myself in a situation where I don't know if I can handle it or not. Only one way to find out. Yeah, girl, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but just, I, I don't want to like, inter, like whatever, but like, just know like you're not alone, you know, no matter where you go. You take your ass to the meeting, raise your hand, and you never have to be alone ever again. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And, like, I I had those exact same feelings. Like, I had, I had been on my own, but not, like, I had been on my own for a long time, but being on my own in recovery, like, I, I was living with, like, I was just getting out of jail, and I was living with my mom and sister for, like, my first, like, couple years of recovery and then like really stepping out of that comfort zone uh it it was difficult and really starting to like really build a life for myself and be able to have things of my own it's like so rewarding like like once you do accomplish those things and walk through that fear which you 100 percent have the capability to do and do it sober like you're you're like there's going to be moments where you're like, holy shit, I just fucking did that. And I did it like clean and I did it sober. That's fucking awesome. And it, and it'll just, it, it, if you let your recovery snowball, it, it can get as big and beautiful as you want it to be. You just got to keep stepping through that fear. Just one, one moment at a time. That's the best thing that I've heard all day. I can't tell you how much I needed to hear that. Well, well, you're welcome. <laughs> what you got, Eric? To the, to the cynical side with Eric. 
Yeah, that's that's not a lie. That's not. A lie. <laughs> Um, I, I, I'm glad you didn't deny it. Thank I, you for I, not, not rebuking that. I, I don't. I mean, you're you're 100 right. So, so Amy, um, Amy Beth, uh, Amy, Amy Beth, I, I, I'm the heart and he's the mind. Just just to be clear, how this works. And and Allie, Allie B is 100 percent the 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 beauty. Oh, or the or, or you can be the soul. She can We're, be the soul. You know. Um, yeah, all right. You're the brains, you're the heart, I'm the soul. I'm the one that brings it together. Yeah. Yes. You're the glue. Goddamn glue. Yeah, there you go. So, Amy Beth, I was kind of, um, going through and we'll give you time at the end to, to go through this, but I was going through, um, what you do, like your, um, your like healing and all the stuff you do, uh, with like trauma work like trauma and energy work and um like the tarot cards and one of the things that i'm always interested in uh and i was talking to someone about about new age we were talking to someone about that the other day david weren't we about kind of like new age yeah, spiritual philosophies we and you know that's i mean that stuff is very new age but how do you incorporate like a like that sort of philosophy and like that type of like energy healing and um into the spirituality of your program i love that question so much i get i actually get so excited when it comes up during meetings because i i like i just i feel like i connect to people so much when i can talk openly about energy so Mm -hmm. i feel like it can be misinterpreted. I've actually gotten a couple messages from a, a couple older, older folk in the program that don't necessarily agree with some of the things that I say, but that's the beauty about AA. You take what you, you know, what mm-hmm. you need and leave the rest. Right. Um, but actually just in the last couple of days, we had a meeting, I was in a meeting and we talked about energy. And so in the way that I use it, especially for people that don't know, what to believe in or what spiritual awakenings are or what their higher power is. The easiest way to relate to people is that uh, positive and negative energy, because it's a science, it's scientifically proven, right? That you kind of, mm-hmm. what you, you, what you put out, you get back. I mean, there's, what is it? The equal and opposite reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So it's really easy to relate to people in that way. And another, another way that you can relate to it is mother nature. I mean, you can't deny that there's trees outside and there's a sun and oceans and, you know, all the things that are outside. So a simple premises is just saying, you know, if you don't have higher power, just look outside and look at how beautiful it is outside and go into nature and feel because when you go outside and the sun is shining and the wind is kind of blowing and it's like a, a, a cool summer's day, you can't help but to feel good. So I um, I like to relate it to that because energy is so powerful. There's It's in everything that we, we do, see, think, and feel. You could write out a thank you card, but if you're angry and you're writing that thank you card, that, that thank you card carries with it, uh, you know, a negative intention. Mm-hmm. And uh, when another oh, yeah. picks that up, they're going to feel that, but it's going to be so subconscious. They don't know exactly what it is or how it's resonating with them. So I, I'm kind of contra- like a walking, talking, like contradictory, like stop sign. <laughs> I don't know why I said stop sign, but I believe in all of these things, but also I have, I struggle with it too. Um, so in the program, I can relate it to people with their thoughts and their feelings. When you're feeling in that way and you constantly are telling 
telling yourself these negative things like I'm ugly, I'm never going to succeed, which is my thing. Like I'm a failure. I'm not good at this and I'm never going to be good at that or I'm never going to be able to survive on my own. You're putting that into your subconscious and what you what you put in your subconscious is what you believe. It's like a core belief. You, your subconscious doesn't know what's real and what's not. It's kind of like quantum physics. We see a wall. Is the wall really there? I don't know because it's made of energy. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. That makes any sense. So, oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of different ways to kind of get into it, but I love I love that it's so you can simplify it enough for people to understand that negative energy exists. Um, and when you when you verbalize and you talk about it and you express it and you get it off your chest, you're actually releasing so much tension and negative energy in your body that you feel better. It's kind of like when you cry, you release so much tension. Yes. You don't realize Eric. how much, yeah. <laughs> you don't realize how good it feels to let that go, um, and that's actually until you do it. So, I mean, it, it can relate in a lot of different ways. Everybody's kind of different, and I, I love that about sharing too, because you never know what somebody's going to get from it. And you, you uh-huh. might get that validation, but you're putting your intention out there and your story out there, and <clears throat> you know it affects people in just the right ways. I've always told people I don't, I don't. I don't necessarily know where my messages come from, but sometimes I know I'm supposed to be somewhere. And if I don't want to go, I feel like I'm going to miss out on an opportunity to share with somebody that something that they really need. And there's a lot of times I've gone into AA or, you know, other, other places. And I've just been like, there it is. That's why I'm here. And I get to share it on whatever that is. So it's kind of a really neat thing. I don't know if that answered your question, but no. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I thought that answered it um, perfectly. Awesome. I like. I, I just. I'm actually out of questions. I just want to say one last thing. Like, just talking to you for like the last hour. Like, I just have such a sense of you're exactly where you're supposed to be, and like, I'm. So, I'm so glad that that you you came and joined us on the podcast because I've gotten a lot out of it, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you. That that's awesome. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel, I feel so much better from from your share and and just everybody. You too, you too, Eric and Allie. I love you guys. I'm so glad I'm here right now. Oh, we love you too, Eric. You can't see me, so I may or may not be crying. Aw, <laughs> I really thought I was going to. I thought, dude, you you got to you got to a spot where I was I was close. I was close. <laughs> I had to pre cry. Yeah, <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was like, nope, nope, all together. Professionalism. <laughs> okay, David, just let it out. No, not right now. Maybe later. <laughs> Maybe later. <laughs> Reserve it. Is, it. is it about that time, Eric? Yeah, go ahead, David. It, it, it's about <laughs> that time to go to the Twitter, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Musical something. Um... <laughs> All right, so the way that this is going to work is, uh, Amy Beth, you will go first, then David, and then Allie, and then myself. Um, And this is a question from uh, Ange Bean. Like an Allie sandwich. Um, And and, uh, the question is... um, is Who's it from? Ange Bean on Twitter. Cool. Yeah. So 
what she Thanks, um, she would like help with is um, to those who didn't or weren't able to quit cold turkey. What are some tips, ideas, um, etc., that would help retrain your brain um, to kick it completely? But to you know, I, I guess instead of to kick it completely, but to start the prog- the process of recovery. So. Um, you know, for people who aren't able to get, yeah. yeah. All right. So cool. Um, Amy, Beth, you can go first and then, uh, we'll, uh, kind of go around the room. So her question is, um, if for you, somebody who can't quit on their own. Yeah. Well, for someone who can't quit cold Turkey, um, what are some tips, ideas, uh, to help like retrain your brain, um, to be able to stop using? The first thing that comes to mind is write affirmations everywhere on stick notes on your mirror, in your car, on your phone, make it your screensaver, um, whatever would resonate. I know that for me, it would, it would say something probably vulgar, like don't fucking pick up a drink today. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> um, nice. So, you know, positive affirmations of some sort, write, write them everywhere, have reminders everywhere. Um, when you start having conversations, this is kind of something that I do with myself. When I start having conversations or start going down the road of visualizing myself drinking or doing cocaine because it happens. I actually had a dream last night that I was doing cocaine. You know, that, that happens. Um, is You have to interrupt your thought process. It's literally mm-hmm. having a conversation with yourself mm-hmm. inside of your head. So when I say, I really want to have a drink because I'm having a shitty day, you have to literally say inside your head, no, you don't need a drink. Go take a walk. For me, I like going for drives. When I when I start to feel anxiety, if, if meditation isn't something that helps me, I, I have to get in my car and physically go get a coffee and drive around and blast my music to keep me from, you know, doing yes. that. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I would say meditation, too. You forcing yourself to sit down and sit with the feelings, which is really hard to do. I mean, that's the whole point of sobriety is to sit and feel and acknowledge. So, for me... I, I mean, that's what I would recommend. Those are the first couple of things that I think of. All right. And Eric, just to clarify, this is for people who can't quit cold turkey or aren't? Yeah, people people who Correct. are... Yeah, people like... So, yeah, if you, if you haven't or you weren't able to quit cold turkey, what are some um, ways to, you know, tips, ideas to retrain your brain? Uh... Ideas to retrain your brain. Um, what that sort of like brought to my mind was sort of like sixth and seventh step sort of stuff with um, my uh, character defects. Because um, that's not exactly something that I could quit cold turkey. So just like Amy Beth said, like it, it's it's. It's interrupting or, or changing your thought pattern through behavior, and that's that's something that's very difficult. But like in my six and seven, like it was making a list of things and character defects or behaviors that were no longer acceptable in my life of recovery moving forward. So I had to really look at these things. And, and if you're in early recovery, it can be very simple things like not doing cocaine, not drinking, not gambling, not eating this type of food, whatever. Um, 
So it's really, you have to like make a defined list or I had to make a defined list of, of ultimately what was unacceptable to do and then make, uh, it's kind of like a pros and cons list. And then like on the pro side is make a list of the things that you're striving for. Um, honesty, compassion, uh, courage, uh, like, all, all those spiritual principles that we talk about in, in recovery. And, um, also I, w- I would say talk to as many people that have similar life experience and similar recovery experience to, to gain their knowledge, to gain their experience. Cause uh, in my opinion, you can never have too much, uh, r- recovery education. Like I, I, I love people that are constantly pushing the boundaries of their recovery and pushing the boundaries of their recovery education, uh, because it's ultimately going to help you down the road someday, somewhere. Allie, what you got? What you got, girly? All right. So first thing that comes to my mind when I heard that question is like replacement therapy, Mm -hmm. right? Like drug replacement. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I first um, made a decision to like, do something different with my life, I was on methadone, right? So, like, I, when I heard that, it reminded me of where I was because, like, I, you know, it was not suggested that I come off of, like, almost 200 milligrams of methadone overnight. Um, You know, so I literally did have to, like, retrain my brain to say, like, I don't need this. I can live without this. Um, You know, no matter what happens, I'm going to, get off of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I came, I, I did read, like I came up with a plan, like I was gonna, um, what do you call it? Like I didn't have, like, I wasn't going off what like all the doctors and the people at like the methadone clinic were telling me, I was like, I did some research. I knew what was comfortable and what was best for me. So like, I like listened to my body. I came down like however much I felt I could. Um, and I also started going to meetings. So that way, like when, um, I did get off of it. I had like a foundation set into place that I didn't go right back to using as I had tried so many times prior. Um, you know, like I had to like set up certain things in my life to be different. So that way, when I got to that final destination of, you know, my like not taking methadone anymore, um, I had like an easier transition into, you know, a new way of life. Um, Cause like, left up to my own thinking and my own devices, I would have like gotten off of that. And then they're like, all right, sure. Where's the party at? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I would have, I wouldn't have changed anything. So I kind of like had to change everything in order to change that one thing. I don't know if that makes right. sense. Um, but like, yeah, like, uh, you know, just, um, it's hard. Like, you no, know, you're not alone. And, uh, um, you know, you can do it. It was like, I kept saying the whole time, like it's mind over matter. It's mind over matter. Like no matter like how shitty I felt or um, like how much I wanted to like deviate from the timeline that I set for myself, I like had to have that determination and that self-will to say like, no, like this was the time. I gave myself a very generous time frame. I wasn't like super rigid with it, but it was like, you know, by, I want to be off of it by like summer. So instead of saying like by June 16th, I'm going to be done, you know, like for whatever reason, I gave myself a little bit of leeway. And like, I learned how to like 
listen to my body and listen to like, oh, this is too much. Oh, this isn't, and you know, oh, I came down too much or, oh, I, I didn't come down enough. I could come down more. And, um, you know, and I just like, I went to meetings and I, I found new friends. I got, you know, a new job. Um, you know, I just had like, I also went to like counseling, like an outside kind of thing, uh, just to have that set in place because like, I knew eventually shit was going to hit the fan and it was going to get really hard. And like, you know, I am the type of person that I don't, that's not what I want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't want hard work. I don't want uncomfortable. I don't want, um, any of those things. So like I had to talk to someone that was a trained professional or even like my friends about like my fears and about, you know, like what I was doing and also to have somebody hold me accountable. Right. Cause like I didn't know how to hold myself accountable. Um, right. you know, but yeah, that's, that's all I got. Nice. Right. Uh, E-bone, E-money. What you got? <sighs> Yeah, David. Um, so, uh, can I start calling you E Money? No, please don't. Um, okay, okay. That's uh, fair. Line drawn. So, I guess my brain went the same place um, Allie's went because I was on Suboxone uh, for years, and um, I was even on kratom for a little while as well. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like it's like an herb, and I guess it's. I mean, it's it's great, especially if you're coming off Suboxone or Methadone. Um, you know, it it kind of it's it's a good transition from that to being completely clean. Um, because mm-hmm. it's rough if if you never come off if you've never come off like Suboxone or Methadone. Um, <laughs> it it's hard. It sucks. It's uh. It's a long, you know, it takes a long time and you need like a really good, you need a good taper. Um, and if you, if you do it in, you know, a cold turkey sort of way, it doesn't always work. Uh, so, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer in kind of like scheduled tapers. Um, so like, that's one of my ideas and I, like, I've done this with a lot of things. Um, so it's not just like with opiates, um, you know, there's there's a lot of like replacing drugs with other drugs with other drugs until you get off drugs, right? Like in my mm-hmm. um, yeah. in my sponsorship yeah. family, like you know, if you're not shooting dope but you're smoking weed, we call that a win. Um, like, and that's that's like something that a lot of people would look down upon. But in you know, it's it's how are we getting better today? And then, you know, when you're ready to quit the weed, like, that's great. Like, that's a way of, like, coming off the hard drug, like, the harder form of the drug. What's causing more unmanageability mm-hmm. in your life right now? And how can we get it to, you know, how can we make that better? Because um, some people, like, like no one, everyone's brain chemistry is different. Um, and, you know, we aren't all going to react the same way to the idea of, like, cold turkey and, like, you know, it's going to be tough and blah, blah, blah. Not everyone can handle it being tough. Um, you know, the take, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, they take the uh, cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth. Like, fuck that. It's not the 1980s anymore. Like, that's just not how people are. Yeah. People have evolved. Like, that isn't the yeah. way it is. So we need to evolve with the way that people actually are. Um, and right now, like, mm-hmm. you, you need a like, most people need a kinder, softer way. Um 
but in ideas to like, it, it really depends on the drug, but there are different like tapers that you can do. And like, they're, they're probably online. There's probably lots of schedules, but I'm, that's what I believe in is tapers and also setting like setting deadlines in your head. So when I'm quitting like a certain type of food, because mm-hmm. I switch up foods a lot, like I'll be like, I'm not eating this. I'm drinking, like I'm not drinking like soda. I'm not um, going to have. Don't give this. up your gummy bears. I am going to give up my gummy bears. We <laughs> talked about this. It's going to happen. Don't give up your gummy um, bears. Just I, a, I don't agree with it. A certain type of gummy bear. <laughs> I will still have like organic natural gummy bears i just won't have no like, you're going you're going ada against david's advice i don't like it what are you what kind are you giving up though what are they called the hard harbor yeah Haribo. yeah haribo or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. i'm giving Fair, those yeah. up and i'm gonna like have like more natural like you know like a more natural type of gummy bear. i don't agree with that um well i want to give up processed sugar yeah yeah, um, dude, that's good. Fuck yeah, Eric. Do it. So, David. like, only cane sugar, agave, honey. Um, so, no processed sugars. So, like, no, like, unless it's, like, maple syrup. If it has syrup, like, or, you know, like, rice syrup and stuff like that. But if it's... Uh, Why don't you just eat some bear-shaped granola, you fucking hippie? Um, <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny is that you're the one who cries, but I'm definitely the one who subscribes to more of, like, the earth like way of living it's it's very weird that is not true is it we really talked about crying because of nature and it's me it well, is not you sir you talked about like seeing a postcard and like crying at the view like i, I mean i don't know what to tell you about that man like what? you know like you're gonna cry like i uh, david like i mediate mediate you know it's funny is right, you're right, gonna so cry back to the, back to the question <laughs> okay um <laughs> Actually, so Thank the cold, <laughs> I don't know. Um, if you're, if you're coming off opiates, um, cold Turkey, I don't know. When I quit cigarettes, I did it cold Turkey and that was the only way I could really do it. Um, you know, I, I did it with, yes, uh, Damn. yeah, it's like, I just couldn't do it any way. I, Nicorette didn't work. Um, the patch didn't work. Vaping, I just start vaping a lot, and then I then you start vaping and smoking, and that's just like super unmanageable. Um, I think I can testify to that. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like I gotta go out for a cigarette, but I'm gonna like, but I'm gonna vape like every second I'm inside. So now I'm just like consuming nicotine every moment I'm awake. Um, So I don't know. For that, I can only do cold turkey, but a lot of other things like when I quit. Um, high fructose corn syrup uh, for soda, like mainly for soda. Um, like when I quit like Coca-Cola and Pepsi and stuff like that, it's like I had to just like, I, I was like, I'm going to quit like first week of April. And that's when I quit. I was like, all right, it's April. I'm done. And I haven't had a soda in like, like that type of a soda in two years. I drink like the, again, like the natural, like, you know, hippie sodas. But um I don't know. It's hard, guys. I like it's very hard to quit cold turkey. Like not everyone can quit cold turkey, and it hurts. <laughs> so I, I don't know. All right. I feel like I want to add add something to yeah, all of this. Go ahead. Yeah. I remember sitting in my car. I so something I did to kind of uh, keep myself hold myself accountable was the day I decided to get sober. And stay sober. I like go. I 
I told all of social media. Um, I don't necessarily recommend doing that, but that's oh. what I went on and I told a little story and I posted a picture of me being out in California and then I was like, all right, well now I got to be sober, don't I? Um, but something that I sat down, I was doing a video in my car and I was thinking to myself, am I really an alcoholic? Am I really an alcoholic? <laughs> hmm. Let me think. You might be an alcoholic if you've been picking up your kids because you were out all night and you did cocaine and you slept through picking them up. You might be an, alco an alcoholic if you are in the bar five, six, seven nights a week. You might be an alcoholic if, and you can kind of, it's kind of funny and it kind of brings like a comic relief, but also you're keeping yourself in check by asking yourself, am I, I, I might be an alcoholic if I do this. So it's kind of like a fun comic relief to also remind you that yes, you do have a problem. Um, and something that's something else that is helpful is, you know, getting into a program or surrounding yourself by a new group of friends who are going to be supportive and are possibly also sober. I think that's really important as well. Um, Absolutely. You're still in your same friend group, you know, hanging out in the same places, doing the same things or watching them do the same things. The likelihood of you still using is really high. Um, mm -hmm. So those are just my extra thoughts. I'm going to be honest, how, how Eric, Allie, and I didn't come up with that, and we just got schooled by a newcomer, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm upset with the three of us. <laughs> hey, it's all about time, right? It's about no, it's knowledge. Not. No, yeah. How <laughs> I'm, I'm not sorry. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. Don't no, be. dude, don't, don't be, be sorry. sorry. Hell no. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you said that. I'm like, oh, I just feel dumb because I didn't say it because it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I just want to hang are out with all Can we be friends? Can we all be friends? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you are talking my language with the energy <laughs> and nature. Oh, I was like, oh, she knows me. <laughs> yeah. I would love that. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, now you have a now you have an even bigger recovery network. It's not just in Wisconsin. You have a home right here in uh, Catonsville, Maryland. Well, yeah, I don't even know where you guys are. I was going to ask. I totally forgot. <laughs> yeah, we're we're a little bit south of Baltimore. Hey, I've never been to the Upper East Coast, so. Really? I technically I'm in Baltimore just to be fair. I'm like two miles away from Catonsville. Oh yeah, Baltimore. yeah. Eric and Allie, they're both they're they're both in Baltimore in Baltimore County. I'm in the uh, bougie Howard County, so no big deal. Ooh, yeah. You live Dab. in you live like not that far from us. Like I mean you you live like what, ten minutes away? Just saying. I'm in one of the <laughs> richest counties in America. No big deal. No big deal. Just saying. <laughs> don't don't cut me down, Eric. Just let me have it. Let me I, have that win. I'm really. You have no <laughs> idea how alone. much leave I want alone. to leave cut you down right you now. You have a lot of words. Because <laughs> I could. Because you know, have, you know, I could cut you down. No, 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 no. Uh, I know. I know it. I know it. I know you can. We can start going into school districts take, and like how all that take works. The high road. But, take the high road, buddy. Um, Let's take take the high road, buddy. Well, Keep, okay. Leave me on the low road. So, so Amy Beth, where where can our listeners find more information about you? Um. Well, social media. Uh, I go by Amy Beth Weeks. I'm on Facebook. I also have a, a page. Um, 
what is that? I don't even know what my page is called because I don't like to use it because I like my personal Facebook page, which sounds really silly. But um, I also have a website. It's called thepositivesoberfemale.com. That would be the best way. Um, and then I also have email and a way to contact on there as well. Awesome. What was, right. the, what was the female? I'm sorry. What was the female one you said? The positive Yep, thepositivesoberfemale.com. And then my, my private group for women, um, you should be able to find it on Facebook, but you have to have you have to be accepted into the group. Um, is It's just called The Sober Females. And that's right on nice. Facebook. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we would like to all thank our uh, guest and new friend, Amy Beth, for joining us this evening. Woo! <laughs> Thank you. Here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us once again. Make sure you check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Go to our YouTube channel. For more information about Eric, Allie, and I, go to podcastrecovery.com. But most importantly, everybody out there, stay safe and stay clean. Bye.